Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. If, that, if that's not you preaching, Yang Chen, I, <laughs> I'm like looking forward to the real sermon. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the, the punchline of the sermon away tonight before I do the sermon. Is that okay? So you know what my agenda is up front. Okay. Um, I really feel like tonight the Lord wants to give us a fresh revelation of who we are as sons of God. Um, and the fact that that comes through a revelation of His love for us. Um, the fact that God is love. Um, we... we we learned this. This was the first scripture that we learned in Bible school, right? Which scripture is it? John three sixteen, and it's such an amazing scripture. But the challenge is that when we know something so well, it's so easy to become familiar with it, and it's so easy for it not to be new anymore, and and for us to not stand still and to think about what does this actually mean? The fact that for God so loved the world that He sent. His only son. Um, and that was his motivation. That was, why, that was the why. That was his motive for sending his son. He so loved the world that he sent his only son so that those who believe in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. And so because he loved us, he desired for us not to perish but to enter into that everlasting love. Um, and I want to talk about what it looks like to be a son of God because did you know that it's possible to, to, to be a son of God but to, not to live like a son of God, right? And let me just clear this, this, this awkward question that's perhaps lingering in the ladies' minds at this point in time. Did you know um, Linda and Elizabeth and Tanya that you are also sons of God? Did you know that? You seem hesitant, all right? Galatians 3 verse 26 says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, what's the significance of being a son of God? Um, in the context of the scripture and in biblical times, and still in some cultures today, it was, of course, the son that received an inheritance. And daughters did not receive an inheritance. But God is saying, you are all men and women. You are all sons of God. You have all received an inheritance. And that inheritance looks like something, right? Don't worry, us guys have the same problem. Um, we are all the bride of Christ. So we're all spiritual cross-dressers, and we should, just, we should just make peace with that, all right? Every guy in here, you are the bride of Christ. You are, Jesus is the bridegroom. We are married to him as the bride, as the church. And ladies, you are sons of God, okay? Um, so it says, for in Christ you're all sons of God. So in Christ implies that there has been a born-again experience, right? So in Christ means we are saved by grace through faith. And in Christ we are all sons of God. Did you know that, let's take two couples. Um, they're both married. One, are very, they live in the same house. They're completely estranged from one another. Um, but they have an understanding, Right? that they, husband and wife, and they fulfill certain functions and certain duties, and they, they get by. And from the outside, they're a married couple, and you see them, and they hold hands. 
Um, then you have another married couple, and they, you can just see the affection and the fact that they really care for each other at a deep level and that they make sacrifices for each other and that they, they fight, but they struggle through that in order to resolve, in order to grow, in order to bless the other person. From a legal standing, both are equally married. The law recognizes both as married, and they both have certain privileges um, in, ter- in terms of tax, etc., whatever. Um, from the law's point of view, they're as married as both couples. Um, and I want to draw the same analogy to what it, what it means to be a son of God. We can legally be sons of God by surrendering our lives, experiencing that going through being born again and being genuinely saved by grace through faith, but we continue to live like slaves. We continue to live like victims. Even though our name is written in the Lamb's book of life and we might go to heaven, we could still be living like a slave or like a victim, right? And I feel like God tonight is wanting to remind us what does it look like to be a son of God, right? What does it look like um, to be a son of God? Um, and it's such a huge topic. Uh, th- there's so much that the Word has to say about um, sonship and, and being adopted by God and um, experiencing that father-son relationship. Um, but well, as I was praying, I felt like God was highlighting five things to me um, that I want to go into specifically tonight. Um, and these are kind of signs or, or fruit of what it means um, to be a son of God, all right? So the first is... A son of God understands that he cannot earn his inheritance, but must receive it as a free gift. Right? A son of God understands that his inheritance is not to be earned. It is to be received as a gift. Um, Lauren shared a while back, she was preaching, and she shared of how um, her mom actually recently sent her will to us. Um, and in the event, or when she dies, what will happen? Um, and she wanted us to read through it and just give, give our input. Um, and, you know, when I read that will, nowhere did it say, Lauren, when you, uh, when you have written so many books, then you are entitled to your inheritance. Or, Lauren, when you have discipled so many people, then you are entitled to this inheritance. Or, Lauren, when you have raised four kids and they successfully passed grade one, um, you you may receive your inheritance. There were no conditions. It was a no-brainer. You are my daughter, so whatever I have, I give to you. It's yours. It's that picture of, I remember us being on missions in Rwanda and we were presenting legacy there to the local church. And um, I remember God saying to me that, we were worshiping, and I just remember God showing me this picture of a fridge. And this fridge was stocked with, like, all the good stuff, you know, and the stuff that my mom didn't want to keep when we were kids, like Viennas and <laughs> those things that kids, like, dream about, you know. <clears throat> and I remember seeing this fridge, and I remember God just saying, what's mine is yours. Go, open the fridge, take, enjoy just, you, don't have to, you don't have to earn it, you don't have to plead, you don't have to beg. You're my son, this is yours. Go and have, go and have the Viennas, right? 
Um, and the son understands that he cannot earn that inheritance. And the, our inheritance as sons is a whole, a whole sermon of its own. But it includes things like freedom. Right? It includes things like eternal life, which Yang Chen spoke about. Um, it includes things like forgiveness of sins. It includes things like the Father's unconditional love. Um, also in Psalm 2, it says that the Lord says, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Not strive, try harder, do more. Ask of me, and as a dad, what's mine is yours. Similar to what the, what the father in the, in the, prodig- in the parable of the, the prodigal son said to the older brother, when the older brother was complaining, he said, You have always been with me, and whatever I have is yours as well. But he didn't get it, right? And so the, the father's inheritance is to be received. The second thing um, around a son is that a son knows and understands that receiving his dad's affirmation is necessary for him to walk in his destiny. It's not just a reward for having walked in it. We actually need to receive the Father's affirmation in order to walk in the fullness of what He's called for us. If we think about Jesus, when He was baptized, at that point in time, He had not performed any miracles from what we know, from what's recorded in Scripture. He hadn't discipled anyone. He had been faithful as a carpenter's son. And yet God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Um, and we sometimes talk about the three A's of affirmation. The first one being um, just the father's affection, saying, this is my beloved, right? This is my beloved. You are my beloved. Um, and there's that, that affirmation of affection. It says, you are my beloved son, all right? So there's an acceptance. There's a, you're, you're, you're an insider. You're not an outsider. You're part of this family. You are my beloved son. So there's affirmation of acceptance. Um, in whom I'm well pleased. I approve of you. Before you've done anything, just because you're my son, I'm saying that I love you and I'm pleased with you for the mere fact that you are my son. All right? And there's that affirmation that actually launches Jesus into his time of ministry and launches him into everything that God has called him to be and to do. Um, and he's able to do that fully because he knows he's got the Father's affection. He's got the Father's affirmation. And I remember some of you who know me well may know my testimony. And for a long time, I um, had a lot of doubts around my sexuality. And I, I was actually addicted to, to gay porn for about six years um, completely enslaved and completely, yeah, trying to break it off in my own strength for such a long period. Um, and so much guilt and shame that came with that. And um, then God, um, yeah, God, through a, through a, I won't go into the whole testimony, I might share that at another time, but God just um, set me free from that addiction to, to gay pornography and, and masturbation and um, started a process of renewal of mind in my life. And um, I remember that for my 21st birthday, this was about a year after I'd been, um, yeah, God had just set me free from all of that. 
Um, but the renewal of mind, my thoughts, was that it was quite a long process um, to change the way I think and to change the way I think about myself. And, and, and the most powerful key in that time was hearing what, what the Father says over me. Um, I had received so many labels over my life, you know, and those, a lot of those labels had stuck and had a powerful impact on my life and had profoundly shaped the way that I think about myself and the way that I engage with other people. And um, I just remember that morning sitting in my car on the morning of my 21st birthday, we went away to, to, you know, somewhere in the mountains with a bunch of friends of mine. And, and just, I just remember feeling so discouraged and feeling like, okay, I'm free, but I'm not, you know, I don't feel like, um, I don't always feel that free. And um, I just remember the Lord saying to me, um, I've created you a man for a purpose. Um, it wasn't like a dice that I threw and let's see, you know, is it a, is it a male or is it a female? And that's true for all of us, right? Um, but I just remember God saying, I've made you a man because I've made you to be someone's husband and someone's father. And um, I've actually prepared a wife for you and I've prepared children for you. Um, and what you're going through is not just for yourself, but it's for generations. There's actually a lot of other people that will be impacted through you pressing through. And it was just, just hearing the Father say, I'm a man. You know, I am, I've been, ma- be, been made to be a husband, to be a father. Um, and now I am. <laughs> um, husband to an amazing wife. Um, and two amazing boys. And um, I would not have been able to step out under that banner of shame and under that extreme sense of guilt if it had not been for the Father's affirmation. If I had not heard what God had said over me, He's ultimately the one that made me right. He's the one who knows me better than anyone else. And so Son knows that receiving the Father's affirmation is, um, is necessary in walking in, in our destiny and in our identity as sons. The third thing, a son also know that a son is vulnerable with his dad in order to be strong in the field or in the battle. There's a place of tenderness and a place of brokenness and a place of openness with the father and a safety, an emotional safety in that space to really be authentic, to be who we are and to say, Lord, this is where I'm at. Um, in order that he might come into that place and strengthen us so that we may be all we're called to be when we're either toiling in the field or we're fighting in the battle, whatever that may re- represent to you. And if we think about Jesus, we often hear him, we often see in Scripture in the Gospels him just retreating and him just separating himself from people and, and, and getting up early in the morning and going up into the mountain and just spending that time with the Father. Um, and even before we, the crucifixion, we see this powerful picture of him praying in the garden, um, completely overwhelmed by the cup that he's about to drink and the freedom that he has with the Father, the vulnerability he has with the Father to say, Lord, this is so difficult. This is so hard. If there's any other way, let that, let that other way be. And I'm pouring out my heart before you. I have the freedom to to just say to the Father what I'm going through in this moment and what's, what's happening in my soul. And it's actually in that moment that I can receive the Father's strengthening in my spirit. And he says, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. 
And when he gets up, he has the courage to do what he was called to do and to fulfill why he came to earth. Um, he had that safe place with the Father, that place of honorability with the Father. <clears throat> I remember I had a, a performance review when I was working for Deloitte, and um, I, was, I was a second-year uh, article clerk, and the third, year, the third year on the audit was, um, we didn't get along, um, we didn't really get along. Um, <laughs> and so when my performance review came, um, the manager asked her to do the, the, re the performance review first, and she, she gave me a shocking performance review. And um, I, it was really tough to see it the first time. Um, and I just thought that it was not fair. And I felt really, I felt really like um, violated almost. You know, I felt really like this is not justice. You know, this is not fair. And I, I was so angry. And um, I remember praying about it. And I was just pouring my heart out before the Lord. And I was just... Um, you know, and I was just—I was also making these plans of how I'm not gonna, because you need to be signed off on all these competencies before you can qualify as a chartered accountant, and how this was gonna potentially have an impact on that. And I was making these plans of how I'm gonna, like, you know, confront her or convince the manager otherwise. And I—I I just remember the father saying to me, um, "I want you to to let me vindicate you in this um, in this circumstance. I don't want you to fight for yourself." I don't want you to defend yourself at all. Um, I want you to allow me to come in and set this thing straight. Um, and having that time, having that vulnerable, having that safe space with God, just pouring out my heart in front of him, actually gave me the strength to do that in the meeting. And I remember meeting with the manager, and the third year wasn't present. And um, he was just kind of going through the performance review. <laughs> and I just sat there. I just... I just listened, you know, and he said, okay, so for this competency, you got this rating. For this competency, you've got this rating. And, um, and I just kept quiet. I just smiled and I just nodded. And um, at the end, after we had gone through everything, he said, do you feel that this is a fair <laughs> performance review? And um, I said to him, no, I don't think it's a fair performance review. And um, he said... Do you think that maybe there was something else at play that the third year, you know, that caused some of these ratings? And I was like, I can't speak for her, but <laughs> um, it's possible. And he said, um, okay, you know, he also saw, he also reviewed my work, um, so he'll just he'll just go over it again, and he'll send me the final one, and I'll just let him know if I've got any objections. Um, and he basically increased the rating for every single competency on that performance review. Now, that's a stupid thing. That's like a small little performance review. But it's also not a stupid thing. It's also God just coming to say that I am your father and I will fight on your behalf if you let me, right? Um, if we'll wrestle with God in the, in the room, then so often he'll just wrestle our battles on our behalf outside of that. The fourth point around a son, being a son, is not being driven by the need for others' approval, but by a desire to bless his dad in faithful obedience. Not being driven by a need for others' approval, but being driven by a desire to, to bless his dad in faithful obedience. And um, I just want to say that the need for approval and the need for acceptance is a legitimate need. 
Right? Sometimes we feel, we feel bad, we feel guilty because we have that need. The question is just, where do you go to have that need fulfilled? Right? That need was actually created there for God to come in and to speak into that area and to say, I love you, you my boy, I've placed these amazing things in you um, and I'm pleased with you. Right? And so that need for approval is actually a legitimate need but we need to go and receive that approval from the Father. The final thing, um, the fifth thing that I felt like the Lord was highlighting to me um, as I was praying and just preparing for the sermon was that a son knows that, that doing more or less does not make you more of a son or less. Right? Doing more stuff can never make us more of a son, right? Or doing less stuff can ne never make us a son. We're a son because there's a bloodline, because we have a father. Um, and that's, that's the only reason. And nothing we do can add to that. And I think it's often easy to grow up, and even in church, and to tie our value or to tie our voice in church to what we do in church. And I just want to say that that's not the case, right? Let it be that when we, like when we serve in church and when we serve the Lord, it's really from a place of, yeah, it's really from a place of wanting to bless God and wanting to bless others. There's no expectation. If, you, if you're serving from a place of guilt or you're serving from a place of expectation or from obligation, um, rather don't, to be honest. Rather just come and just spend time in worship, connecting with the Father, connecting with others. Um, I want to say that I want us to fight for a place where we serve, where, where the most important thing is just that intimacy with the Father and relationship with others, right? And that serving is just a natural outflow from that, okay? And if you feel like you are involved in three or four ministry areas and you're burning out and you're overextended and it's just too much and it's actually infringing upon your relationship with God, your relationship with other people in the church, let's rather, I would honestly rather cut that area of ministry um, than to sacrifice on that, than to compromise on that. All right. And so it's first about being a son and then about doing from a place of sonship. All right. Um, I want to ask Sunet just to, so Sunet had a, had a word during worship that I felt tied in with this point. Um, so I wanted to, to share that. Um, during worship, I just got a scripture out of Joel 2, and it says, Ring your heart and not your garments. Return to Lord your God, for he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Um, you know, just like I think the specific thing I said to you was um, I felt there was quite a lot of people that still feel, and I can relate with that myself, if I jump through this hoop, if I accomplish this, then I'm accepted. And God looks off, He first wants our hearts, always, and He fights for that. Amen. And, and does that mean that, that sons don't do anything? No, of course not. Um, sons' desire is to, to, to bless his dad, but whatever he does, he does from a place of understanding that none of what he does, not even obedience in faith, can add to the Father's love for him. 
um, and the Father's acceptance of them, right? Even though the Father does call us to that as well. Um, so then the question is how? Um, if, this is, if these are some of the things, some of the fruit of, of being a son of God and walking in sonship, um, how then, right? How, how do we step into sonship? How do we step into being a son um, and no longer living as slaves or as victims in this life, right? Um, and um, I think it's through in the first place knowing that we have a father. Um, and for many of us, when we first came to the Lord, this was a huge thing. Um, and it's still a huge thing. Uh, many of us, we grew up in such different homes. Um, and you would have had an example of a father. And maybe your dad, to a great extent, mirrored God the Father. Um, but maybe your dad didn't. Or maybe your dad even just wasn't present. Um, but the first thing that helps us to step into this position of sonship and experience the blessing of what it means to be a son of God is the fact that we have a father and that he loves us and that his heart is for us. Um, Jesus says um, in John 5 verse 20, for the father loves the son. You can see, you can just see in the way that he lives his life, he has that confidence in the Father's love for him. Um, he knows that he has a Father, that the Father is good, and that the Father is for him. Um, I remember when I was in, in, when I came up to Joburg, I, um, I was here for a while, and I was a, a small group facilitator, and then I was a, a zone coach. And um, <clears throat> when I was, um, while I was a zone coach, I, I used to um, experience this um, this intense sense of um, inadequacy, of, of just not being good enough um, mm -hmm. at specific times, and um, it was it, it it didn't seem natural because I could recognize it for what it was. Um, I could, you know, I could I could almost see that it was a stupid thing. But um, I just couldn't do anything about it. I just had this, just this heavy sense of just not being good enough and not being enough. And um, made me feel paralyzed. And I would often, I was engaged with Lauren at the time. I think we were dating then and we later on got, got engaged. And I would really be mean to her. And I would, as I was doing that, I would see what I'm doing almost, but not have any control over changing it. And um, I went to Heinrich, who was the pastor in, in Joburg at the time. And I just said to him, Heinrich, um, you need to pray for me for deliverance because there's this thing that comes over me and it needs to go. And, um, and Heinrich just looked at me and he said, um, you don't really believe that God loves you. And I was like, no, I do. I mean, <laughs> I know that's not the problem. Let's just pray for the deliverance. And um, this was 2013, so I've been... I'd been saved for, um, for about six years and, you know, been a leader in church and missions and all these things. And um, he just said to me, no, you're just like, you, you, don't, you don't live like someone who knows that God loves them. And I was like, you know, at first I was a little bit offended. I was like, this is not what I came for. Um, <laughs> Thanks, I'll be on my way. 
you know, I, was, I kind of, I was just like, okay, I hear you. And, um, and then he, he kind of prayed a quick prayer and, you know, he didn't pray for the deliverance that I came for or anything. And um, he just said, you know, I feel like God really wants to reveal his love to you. Um, and you need to ask God to, to reveal his love to you. And um, I, he's, I remember him saying, I must go and find songs that are just about the Father's love and go and search for scriptures that talk about God's love and just kind of read that over and over and listen to that and soak in that um, and ask God to make it real to me. And, and it, was, it was very strange for me. I honestly thought he had completely missed it. I was like, great, you know, pastors can also sometimes get it wrong. And, um, but as I went away, I, God started convicting me of that, and I, I did start to do that. And... Um, At first, it was difficult because I, I felt I felt like I was being um, I felt like I was focusing on myself. So I thought, you know, I'm I'm being no, I'm not doing the right thing because you know I'm now turning the attention on myself and I should be focusing on others and I should just just be like and um, and God even just came to show me that that was false humility um, and that He He wants us to do business and this requires me to be present with Him and to be open for what He wants to do and. Um, yeah, I remember just kind of starting to see God's love in the scriptures and um, and not just that God is love, but that He loves me. I think sometimes we feel unlovable and so we just we just say that that's not for me. We're not even open to that. But we accept it doctrinally in our minds, but we don't actually let it ever penetrate our hearts um, because we disqualify us for whatever reason. And the truth is we are disqualified. <laughs> Right? That's what makes this weekend so amazing. The fact that in Jesus, we are qualified for His love, and He lavishes His love upon us in such rich measure. And um, I, just thought, I just remember His love starting to become more real and real to me. And then I was in San Francisco on a secondment um, for Deloitte, and um, we were in, Lauren and I were engaged then, and we were sk- Skyping one night, and this thing happened again where I, all of a sudden, just switch over and I just feel heavy and I just feel not good enough and I feel like I almost can't talk um, and Lauren asked can, can I pray for you you know over Skype and I was like yes you know and I I'd actually gotten up that morning and when I stood up I lived in this amazing four-star hotel in the center of San Francisco and it had the most amazing breakfast and it was you know I'm big on breakfast and it was the highlight of my day every day and I walked down to breakfast this morning, and I felt like God was saying, He wants me to fast. And I went back to my room, and I interceded. I'm like, Lord, am I hearing you correctly? <clears throat> and I, I felt like the Lord said I must fast that day, and I must actually fast. I must not drink water either, which I'd never done before. Um, and so I drive fast that whole day, and I came into my hotel room, and I Skyped with Lauren in the evening, and now this thing happened, and she said, can I pray for you? And said, yes, and, and God actually showed me what the root of it was, something that happened when I was very small, and I just brought that before God, and I, I just said, yo, Lord, I, I just, I just um, yo, repent for taking that upon myself and forgive this person, you know, who, who probably acted in ignorance, um, and I just receive what, whatever it is you have for me, and I remember sitting in that hotel room, and I, I, um, I just remember experiencing these 
um, these waves of God's love in, in my physical body. Um, I remember there was like four or five just, um, just like this heat and this momentum almost coming through my heart and through my body. And I was just sitting there and God was just showing me in a very real way, in a way that I understood, in a way that was, that I could relate to that He loves me <laughs> and that He will never leave me nor forsake me. And, um, and it's the Father's love that empowers us to love as sons. Um, to love as sons, to be used by Him effectively, to, to make decisions and not be afraid, to trust Him and to step out of the boat, um, to not care about whatever it is that's around us and whatever people are saying, but to, to fully love as sons and to fully take up the inheritance and not to have false humility and to say, this isn't for me, this is for someone else, or this is for another time. It's the revelation of His love. And Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Right? He said, it is finished. I have not given you access to 10% or 20% or 70% or 80% of the Father's love. No, the veil was torn. <laughs> that physical, that thick curtain in the temple that separated everyone else from the Father's presence was torn so that we may step into an experience of the Father's love and have His love wash over us and change us forever. The Father's love is the most powerful change agent. I'm just going to um, end off the service for those of us um, who need to go. Um, the worship team will continue playing for a bit and we'll continue spending some time in the Lord's presence. Um, but if you, if you need to go, we just want to bless you. We just say, Lord, um, yeah, we thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you that it can be Easter all year round, Lord, and that we can be excited about the cross um, and what you've done and what that means for us and for others all year round, Lord. And I pray that we walk in the joy, Lord, that comes from knowing the freedom in the cross this week, Lord. Pray that you bless every person in their relationships, in their work, in their time, Lord, this week. Um, yeah, we bless you, Lord. We just say it's all about you and, and we love you, Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.jarberg.